Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always in person, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. If I lean over anymore, I'm going to fall off this bed. Yes, I'm on a bed. Make your own images in your head. I don't care. Also joining me, also in person, the Blood God crew unites at last. It's Eric Van Allen. I'm just waiting for Nadia to fall off this bed. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be like clatter. <laughs> All right, but there's your free pit for the week. Yes, we are. Wow, live and in person pit. I'm very excited. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are here at PAX East 2023, about two hours before we do our panel in which we are doing the ultimate RPG draft. It's going to be a lot of fun. Still a little hungover from karaoke last night, but we'll be talking about that in a bit, I suppose. Uh, Because we're here uh, and hanging out with each other, we're going to just do a mailbag, vibe a little bit, have a good time, and chat. But before we get to that, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot, Nadia's at Nadia Oxford, and Eric is at CMOOSI, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. If you want to support the podcast, please go to Patreon at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where for just $1 a month, you get access to our Discord, and also you get our podcasts ad-free. And there's tons of bonus content as well. Hey, a Pantheon vote. Is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And we are doing Super Mario RPG this month. So that should be a banger of an episode. Okay, let's get started. We'll start by um, talking about what we've been playing, our sacrifices to the Blood God. And I don't know, we've been traveling a lot, going all over the place. I was just at GDC. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> We're here at PAX East now. Um, so I'll start with you, Eric, because you you got to play something at PAX East that I, I also saw, and it mm. looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I played a few things I really liked this weekend, but one that I literally just came from and really, really enjoyed was uh, Mage Seeker, which is uh, a game by the former Moonlighter team uh, that's a Riot Forge game. So it's the the League of Legends spinoffs that they've been doing, like Rune King and uh i forgot what the hextech mayhem i think was the name of it uh this is riot basically licensing out their league of legends ip to small indie studios to make neat things and this mage seeker one uh focuses on silas who is a character from league of legends that literally has chains wrapped around his arm not totally unlike kratos (laughs) symbolism yeah and he um his whole setup is that he is formerly a mage seeker who in the kingdom of demacia mages are imprisoned mages are looked down upon and uh he was basically a snitch kind of a narc he would uh he could sense magic and so they would use him to hunt mages but then he found out that he could channel the magic himself and so he got thrown away and now he's leading a revolution of the mages and uh the whole idea is that you are both kind of this warrior who can throw your chains and and leap across the battlefield and punch people in this like top-down action combat that looks i mean it's very similar to moonlighter or like other kind of top-down pixel action games you might have played like hyper light drifter that sort of thing uh but you also have this ability to throw your chains and 
literally tear the magic out of people oh, to dang. like copy it. Ow. And uh, it's a really, 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 really cool game. I've been thinking about it a lot in the short time uh, coming from the demo to here. Uh, it's really cool how they've managed to mix fast action combat where you're making like split second decisions and jumping between enemies while also paying attention to the environment being like okay this guy is a fire mage and this is an ice mage so i'm going to steal the fire ability and throw a fireball at the ice mage to do extra damage and then while the fireball is going i'm going to throw out my other chain and grab the ice ability and throw the ice ability at the other guy to, to capitalize on, on elemental weaknesses and it just works it, it flows it's quick it's snappy but it never feels overwhelming, which really impressed me. And it's really pretty. Yeah. And I am not a League of Legends person. Mm-hmm. I know virtually nothing about the, the characters or anything like that. But I feel like that's not necessarily a barrier to entry because the characters are appealing by mm-hmm. themselves. And the, the graphics are, are really nice too. The art style. It mm-hmm. reminds me a little bit of like Hyperlight Drifter. And that yeah, kind of thing has yeah. that kind of look. So it's a really cool mix of like pixel art and then some 2D arts, some like very hand drawn frame by frame stuff that looks really gorgeous in motion. Uh, and I, to your point about the League of Legends stuff, I think they picked ultimately the right story to tell with this because Silas was after my time with League of Legends, and I'm not like a huge fan of his design overall. I think he's an interesting character, but I'm not like crazy about him. But in the context of Mage Seeker, he's really cool. And not only that, uh, because it's set in Demacia, you kind of have some of the standard bearers of League there. So you have Garen and Lux, who are very recognizable for League of Legends players. Uh, there was a tease of Morgana in the demo that I played. Morgana's a longtime League of Legends character. Uh, I feel like they were teasing Volibear. I'm not sure if they were teasing Volibear, but he's a big armored polar bear who has lightning and he pulls. Oh, sweet. Um, so I... I was telling you this on the way over here, Kat, but I think the most amazing thing about all this stuff that Riot's been doing is that it's taking League of Legends, which as we saw through Arcane and all these other things, has really good, interesting characters, and they're putting them in contexts that will make people who don't play League of Legends still yeah. get the gist That's and smart. get into it. Yeah, uh, I think the popularity of characters like Jinx and Vi speaks to that. Like Arcane basically put those characters into a higher tier of public consciousness. And I don't know that like Silas is going to suddenly become like the next big league of legends character because of this, but it's really cool to see these characters remixed and recontextualized because it's, it's fun when this happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know why more companies don't do this. Nintendo, I'm talking to you. You made Cadence <laughs> of Hyrule. Oh, it was so good. So good. Oh, I and love then, it. And then there just hasn't been another one of those since. And I would love to see more companies get a little bit more free with this kind of stuff. Riot has done a really good job of taking all these characters and kind of a vibe and a culture that it's created over the past decade or so. It's as far as I'm concerned, they've kind of taken Blizzard's place with um, with the, the culture and everything. Yes, I know like Riot as a company has been problematic in the past, yes, so I yeah. do want to put in that caveat. But by and large, like I think it has a really rich universe, I suppose, that has worked really well with shows like Arcane and 
the RPG by the Battle Chasers fo- folks, Ruined King, mm-hmm. and and now Mage Seeker. Uh, there's a lot of different directions that they can go, and uh, I've been pretty interested. Uh, Eric, did you have anything else that you got to see or play that was stood out to you? Yeah, I want to shout out Born of Born of Bread. I want to make sure I'm Born of Bread. Yeah, yeah, that's cute. It's um, it's a game I I played today because I just saw online. Like I I'd gotten the email, I looked at it, and they were like, "Oh, it's this uh cute little Paper Mario inspired RPG." And I I was like, "Okay, you know, I'll, I'll go over there." You know, RPGs are ostensibly our thing (laughs) and even though we end up talking about action games a lot lately (laughs) and uh i went and played it and it is so dang charming it is really really good it nails that uh paper mario feel of you are this (laughs) papa baker is is in town making uh bread for the queen and the queen wants a special bread from the grimoire <laughs> and so he makes the loaf and it comes out and it's a real boy you're, oh god and you get called loaf you're you're loaf oh, the, the cat. boy yeah and so he, he puts clothes on you and then things transpire and you end up on this magical journey trying to figure out how loaf has come to life and what's going on uh it's just so charming and so funny like the papa baker has this great line where he's like i've always been papa baker but now i'm a dad and he's like crying and stuff he's it's very good the music is just that like perfect you know bop that you'd want and that sort of like fast paper mario style thing it is a paper mario style battle where you have these qtes that you're doing Mm -hmm. to do attacks and they're all very inventive and fun and whimsical all the characters are just really uh, they pop in the way that like a, a good Mario RPG character pops. And shout outs to everyone in the Discord who always says, "Oh, I want shorter RPGs." They they said it. They're aiming for like a, a short runtime of this RPG. So it looks like just a charming, cute little game. Uh, I believe they said this summer on PC is what they're aiming for, and then consoles are in the works, TBD. Mm-hmm. But that was one of those ones where you go to an appointment at PAX and you're like, oh, it's just this little indie. We'll see. And you walk away like, that was amazing. Oh, those that was best. so yeah. good. Yeah. Those are the best games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I really can't emphasize enough that listeners of this podcast will probably want to keep an eye on Born of Bread. Born of Bread. I'm not going to forget that name. That's for sure. It's a memorable name. <laughs> I was at GDC mm-hmm. the past week. Um, I was going to various panels um, I interviewed the, I went to two CD project panels, oh, actually. Mm-hmm. One of them was about level design. And I thought it was really interesting because they talked um, about how they had originally created it as an immersive sim kind of situation, mm-hmm. which is like the biggest difference from Witcher 3. And they said that they were troubled by the fact that people felt like play styles didn't matter. And so they went in to take a hard look at why exactly it was like that. And they talked some about Dishonored and such. And like, why do games with fewer options feel more robust? And the conclusion that they came to was that, first of all, uh, they were creating these paths that were built around play styles, but they also made a generic path because they wanted people who didn't do a good job of optimizing their character or something Mm -hmm. to find it. And players did. And they took it because um, the generic path usually had like the the spoke aspect to it that they Mm -hmm. created, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. 
Um, they also said that often the individual paths were too close together, which created this feeling of them not really mattering. And then at the end, you would often come into a bottleneck where they would just pile a lot of mm -hmm. stuff. And mm -hmm. so he went through the map and talked about like, okay, but like we need to spread out the entrances and you need to be on a certain path and we need to reward stuff like stealth gameplay by like being able to stealth pass a particularly strong enemy and that kind of thing. And it was, it was interesting. It, it was an interesting tweak mm. that made me think that maybe cyberpunk isn't as much of a lost cause from a gameplay standpoint <laughs> that yeah. I, you're rolling your eyes, Eric. <laughs> Look, I love that we're together because I can watch him like react in real time. Having just played that game for a full year on Normandy. Yeah. Oh, I don't disagree that like there is there are ideas there. There are clearly moments where that game wants to be an immersive yeah. sim. It wants to be Deus Ex. I just that is such a fundamental thing that you have to nail and cannot just be patched or updated. Uh, that they would have to get right pretty early on. And Sure, maybe they do some stuff in Phantom Liberty that looks really cool and addresses some of that, but a lot of those levels I found for, for every level that had interesting branching paths, and I can think of a few, and I was thinking of a few as you were talking, there were a lot of others that were just, here's a thing, go do thing. And <laughs> that is cyberpunk to me. I think it could definitely benefit from better level design, for sure, because they wanted a really complex um problem solving aspect with yeah. the net running and everything and it never quite came together maybe some of it was that they were just under a giant time crunch and they were trying to produce so much content maybe maybe it ultimately suffered but that, that game's huge it's mm. massive and i keep trying to think of how you fit really bespoke like intricate levels inside a world that you also want to just be able to drive around and do gta stuff in gta like I don't think of level design when I think of that. So uh, as, as nice as I like Los Santos, so I don't know. I also um, went to a talk about the narrative design lessons. Uh, there was like, here are 10 things that we do when we are designing our narratives, in The Witcher and Cyberpunk. And it was fairly interesting. They were talking about how they love to introduce a, a, a quest line or something with a knowledge gap. For example, mm. where they're like, put everything in front of you and then make you go, okay, but what the heck just happened here? Mm. And uh, Blood and Wine was like an example yes, that they yeah. gave, for example. Um, they also talked about how they work really hard to make the characters a lot more than just uh, plot uh, deliverers. Mm -hmm. And they said they try to integrate little moments. Mm. Uh, for example, like having um, Pan Am just like, stretch her like legs across you and yeah, that kind of thing yeah i do those worked those mm -hmm. were good i when i think of the good character stuff and narrative stuff in cyberpunk it's all in the side quests uh like claire the the driver slash bartender that you work with uh her stuff is fantastic it's really mm -hmm. really good and there was even one that like really got to me somehow that was about this weird dark web secret that you chased all around town. And I thought the ending to it was surprisingly profound in a way that I was like, I never even knew it existed the first time I played it. And I think that's kind of the problem is that you have really good stuff and the Pan Am stuff is on the main, hmm, is it on the main plot line? 
Mm. I don't think you have to do it to get completion, but I think most people who play that game played that mission. Uh, but it's also a case of how do you get your players to that stuff if that's where the goodies are, you know? Mm. How do you get them there? And that's I'd be curious to talk to them about that. I asked them about working with Keanu and like their <laughs> lessons from that. And they were like, yeah, we we kind of... The thing that was challenging is when you're making a character in a game, you can write them however you want. But with you're working with Keanu, you're working with an actual actor. Right. Yeah. Right. And at a certain point you go, I, I need to write for an actor. And it's mm. a different kind of muscle. And they said they thought they were getting better as time went on. Um, I think Eurogamer I had a story about how they intentionally wrote Keanu as a jerk. Oh, no. in cyberpunk because yeah. people he's so likable yeah. that people would naturally just always want to side with him well, johnny silverhand's a dick he to is be clear. that dude sucks <laughs> like, that's yeah i actually think keanu did a great job in cyberpunk Ooh. hot take, hot take. Yeah, i don't know it's that hot of a take um, i've i've heard up and down we can get katie mccarthy on here to talk about i think i mean yeah. i mean i think i said I was like, I think Keanu actually his performance isn't great in this, but he's Keanu. Keanu's Keanu. He's he's got I mean, I think a lot of people think of the delivery, they're like, wake the F up, Samurai, and stuff yeah. like that. Uh he's got some really good stuff in the later part of that game, especially if you go down his own quest line and some of the uh carry stuff as well, that gets really, really good. So mm. you know what you gotta uh, you gotta thank that depiction of Keanu Reeves for that one of the best memes ever. Like I ain't reading all that, but I'm happy <laughs> for you. Or is that like and it's it only oh. works because of Johnny Silverhand and the icon. I thought you were gonna talk about the one that's just the trailer from Cyberpunk, but it keeps cutting him off at times. This is what we lost when E3 went away. Oh my god, the year that they revealed like just like stuff like that and I was thinking also of the um, the Death Stranding reveal. Man, that was one of my favorite E3 moments. Everyone was like, what the F did we just look at? Everyone's collectively just lost their mind. Or like, here's Yu Suzuki coming out to announce Shenmue 3 on the PlayStation stage. That's what I always think of. It's like, Shenmue, it's alive. It's really fun to think about that now in retrospect. Yeah. 2015 when they announced FF7 Remake and yeah. Shenmue 3. And what was the other one? Uh, Glass Guardian. Oh, Glass, yeah. That was the last Guardian one. Yeah, that was a crazy year, but... The Last of Us Part Two reveal at PlayStation Experience, I think I think Kat was at that. You nearly fainted because it was so hot. Oh, uh, that, oh, that was E3 2018. E3. Oh, okay. The last PlayStation E3. Yeah. <laughs> the Last of Us, last yeah. PlayStation. Where, where they shepherded you through, like, four different experiences. Yes, <laughs> and it was cool, except for the part where I was standing in a barn, and I had just had something to drink, and I was packed shoulder to uh-huh. shoulder, and I was like, I'm gonna, I need to sit down, or I will faint. Yeah, a no, bar and that's how I made news. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot game journalist faints in the middle of the last um, Us 2 reveal. I did interview the cyberpunk folks. We'll have a story going up on IGN this coming week. But they said, um, I asked them about the phones. And, yeah. and, there was, and they were like, yeah, and it didn't work. And like we tried to integrate a lot of um a lot of workarounds and such, and the ability to silence them. But we were going for something that was fairly real. And what we learned was that we needed something more bespoke, I think. Yeah, I think that uh, like post-patch update that they did that let you text with some of the companions and stuff was maybe one of the best things they added to that game besides just making it function. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it added so much to 
after I had romanced Judy in my playthrough for Normandy FM, she was texting me about like, you know, family troubles. She like drunk texted, like booty call texted my D at one point, <laughs> which is very funny. And I was like, this is so much good personality and character that, you know, having this ambiently in the world is so good uh, that I would really want them to kind of chase that further and maybe have some of those characters interact. I would love to see like Judy and Pan Am interacting. Mm. Like that's, that's the dream when you have that sort of like Bioware large party situation. But uh, their lead quest designer is moving to Boston and you he's working on the cyberpunk sequel. Yeah. Um, I believe it's Polaris. And he has to hire, he said he had to hire a whole narrative team, like from scratch, basically, because mm. they're making that over in the Boston studio. And then they're making the new Witcher uh, in Europe. And so they were kind of sketching out, they're like four major studios now for CD wow. project. It's pretty remarkable um, how much they're, they've been growing, but it sounds like there's, a lot of work to do <laughs> yet on uh, the next I Cyber actually Punk. found the, uh, uh, when I went to E3 2006 and I told you I saw the first Witcher game when nobody knew what the hell it was. Yeah. I got like, that was back before they gave out digital assets. They were still yeah. giving out analog. I have the Trapper uh, trapper Keeper for the Witcher. It's actually <laughs> great. <laughs> Probably worth some money now. It might be. It's full of like media stuff and everything. It's like, that was a really interesting, really cool thing. I think that I, I understand why it's gone now, mm. but I miss it a lot. All that stupid swag. You know, you turn to this page of the Trapper Keeper this is where your uh, Witcher sex cards are. So you can have printed out. <laughs> uh, beyond that, in terms of GDC, I went to the Kirby panel, which Kirby. unfortunately oh started God, late. That looked so wonderful. That looked like it fun. was very fun. A lot of art, like uh, silly art. Um, they were like, here's why it's hard to do Kirby in 3D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, secret. He's round, so mm-hmm. like... So which way is he pointing? It's yeah. annoying to shoot a, the star out of his mouth, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so I had a good time at that. And I went to the awards and surprise, surprise, Elden Ring won everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I was more interested to see who won the IGFs because I thought there was a really like good, like solid nominee list for, for Indies this year. And I was happy to see some folks taking home hardware. I went to the limited rum party and saw Jeremy Parrish and bullied my way onto the Insert Credit <laughs> podcast. So, so, oh, he's at GDC, is he? Like he went overseas? Right? Yeah, but Jeremy Parrish. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I mean, he flew over. Uh, no, from he's not here. North Carolina. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. So, um, I also want to talk very briefly about uh, Diablo Four, which honestly, yeah. we could probably hang on an entire episode mm. around that, but the the timing's been a little bit bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been quite interesting to watch the the reactions to it. I know over at IGN, there's a lot of excitement about it. I was yeah. really taken aback by kind of uh, people were saying game of the year potential. I'm like, really? Dang. Wow. Okay. That's uh, that's some <clears throat> hype. Kat, are you bringing this up just so you can dunk on Nadia again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not bringing it up because that, but. The, the, I'm, I'm bringing it up because A, it's an RPG, and B, because, I mean, we've had two weekends now. Mm-hmm. We had the weird KFC weekend. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you look like you have PTSD right now or something. Look, it's been a long weekend. That's uh, fair. Fair. Just, we were I, up until two in the morning last night doing karaoke. Shout out to Ken Shepard, who was like the uh, karaoke king. Karaoke was, dad is what we're all karaoke dad. Karaoke dad. <laughs> karaoke dad. Uh, yeah, Diablo 4, 
seems really interesting. It's been interesting to watch the conversation around it too, because obviously all of the Activision Blizzard stuff, Mm -hmm. um, all of the, you know, God, it feels weird to say controversies, but like you have to pile on the lawsuit and the buyout and then the reports and everything that has come out of Activision Blizzard. And then there somebody, was definitely discourse yes. yeah. because somebody was dunking on Gene Park and Jason Schreier and saying, yeah. oh, I guess uh, I guess as soon as they put out a good game, you're just going to forget about all that. And Schreier was like, look, boycotting this game is not supporting the developers. Yeah. And the developers have openly said, like, or some developers at least have openly said, like, we don't want you to necessarily boycott the game. I think this is going to once again be a case of, you are your own moral compass. Mm. Uh, you make decisions about what affects you, especially what affects you, like the people around you. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you make your own choices and and you you make do with that. Um, I know I'm probably going to play Diablo 4. Mm. Uh, I'm curious about it. I'm really bummed because the open beta, the beta last weekend uh, only had, I think it was berserker or warrior um the spinny boy um yeah spinny boy uh spinny boy magic person and druid i think Mm. yeah they had necromancer necromancers this weekend so that's why i'm bummed is because i like necromancer you're a necromancer guy look i i love to be a guy that summons a lot of little guys you know (laughs) i like to have my little band of freaks that come out of the ground i like uh i like playing as a ranger Mm, yeah like or or a monk or something like that. Okay. Anything with summonables. Like mm. I want a lot of pets. Yeah. Why are you playing necromancer then? That's necromancer. No, no, I was playing druid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Animals oh, are better than dead people. Pet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the pet. I am the pet now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I'm a werewolf now. Um, I mean, a lot of interesting little tweaks. I I'm still not sure about the MMO light aspect yeah. of it with like the world bosses on spawn timers and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I like the dodge roll mm-hmm. aspect to it. I think the game itself looks fantastic. I was surprised by the level of excitement yeah. uh, around it. I think it's the main thing that I wanted to raise, which is I thought, well, okay, like this is one of several like, releases that will probably do well but then now it's like oh this is like one of the biggest games of the year period yeah um definitely on our end over at you know in the editorial world it was a sudden moment of diablo 4 was kind of on our radar and then became very it's extremely on the radar for sure yeah and i think uh i want to say zach's vizen or someone over at kotaku uh said something to this effect but like Many people have tried to do Diablo, but no one's really done Diablo the way Diablo does Diablo. It's yeah. I like Torchlight. I like, you know, Path of Exile. I would probably theoretically like if I ever tried it. I think that's probably the closest to a Diablo clone that has ever existed. But Blizzard, after many, many years and lots of development, has really figured out Diablo. And they can get Diablo down. Well, they got a really good team on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Rob Ferguson is working on yeah. it. A lot of really veteran team and mm. blizzard because of all of its problems has been yeah. severely impacted by brain drain yeah. talent drain in recent years but and and then of course for years they just didn't put anything out right yeah i mean overwatch 2 i think is the key example of a game that was impacted by a lot of talent drain and then yeah. just like no clear vision about where they wanted to go mm-hmm. 
Like the original plan was quite flawed, I mm. think, with Overwatch 2. Uh, yeah. I, here's the they thing. They had an idea that of what they wanted to do and it kept changing. And it kind of became a cobbled together thing. I feel like the plan for Overwatch is not that dissimilar from the plan that it seems like they're shifting to for Call of Duty. Where you have the free-to-play part that is multiplayer and everybody plays it. And there's cosmetics you can buy and really like that's where the cash is. And then you have a separate part that's like, hey, do you want to pay us some money to get a campaign and things that will carry over into the free-to-play multiplayer? And you can do that. But I think where that works really well for COD, that maybe doesn't work well for Overwatch. Mostly because Overwatch like has not really shown us what that single player looks like. The single player that they've shown us has not been... I don't like any of the PvE events in Overwatch. They're not good. No. So, uh, no. Well, cautious on that. But who knows? Maybe Overwatch will come back and just do what Battleborn did, you know, all those years ago, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. The irony. But in terms of Diablo, they, they put so much into it. Oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. think they're like, we need to get this right we need a win real bad we need a win so badly Big one. yeah and i i was a little i wondered a little bit about the the mmo light kind of aspects to it but so far okay i like diablo 3 a lot better than a lot of people I like diablo did, actually yeah um i had a great time playing through it with multiple classes and especially once they kind of reset it and did the expansion and had a, an actual honest to God end game. Mm-hmm. It was a lot better, I think, but having played uh, the Diablo two remaster, I can understand why people really put off by Diablo three's art style because it went so wow. And mm-hmm. I think the return to that kind of look and feel with Diablo four is really good. And I think they've made a lot of really smart changes, like how you deal with the passives and everything They've made the loot a lot more streamlined and a lot less annoying. Um, there's they they retained a lot the, the mechanical depth and everything, but there's also more of an action aspect to it with uh, the dodge rolls and such. So, I mean, at a minimum, I think it's going to be a good game. So, yeah, yeah, it's becoming more and more of a crowded year, isn't it? It sure Just is. A bit. Yeah, I uh, I would like to play Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, you around that time. This to me earlier. Yeah, <laughs> I feel bad for final fantasy 16 because it's going to get dwarfed by diablo 4 <laughs> is it coming out at the same time i don't remember same same week. same time yeah, yeah within the same window. is it really the same like audience though would you say like i don't know I well there like... are two triple a games competing against one right another. yeah i think the thing is not necessarily that they're, they're the same audience but they're both games that want to pull in at least like a good amount of the kind of general game yeah. consciousness if that mm-hmm. makes sense they're both games that can't I don't know, can't, but don't just rely on their fan base. They also want to like bring yeah. in people who are like, oh, Final Fantasy, I might try so, that. You've worked for a website, Nadia. No, I haven't. Um, you, know- <laughs> <laughs> you can't prove that. You know how many, there's only so many resources to go around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, influencers and such have to decide what they're going to cover. And I, I think that a, a gaming consciousness or gaming or the oxygen around a I think Diablo 4 is going to suck a lot of the oxygen out of the room. I'm going to yeah. go for 16 because it has the puppy. It has the direwolf puppies. In I it. mean, I would have been pretty shocked if you had picked Diablo 4 over Final Fantasy I mean, like you said, I like, yeah, I like Diablo 3, but I'm not like, holy shit, Diablo. I'm more like, you know, oh, I'm going to play Final Fantasy I'm, I'm not 
like holy shit Diablo either, but you know. I, I think you've got the right idea that Diablo 4 is going to eat up a lot of public mindshare because it's not just a game that you play, but you play it with your friends. Right. And yeah. you can watch other people play it. Very Everybody easily. will be talking about it on Twitter, yes. or social media, that kind yeah. of thing. Look at my build, that sort of thing. Whereas like 16 is going to be a very like you're in a room by yourself playing this game, you know? This, that's what, that's what Final Fantasy is all about. I think the best case scenario for 16 is that it's so good mm-hmm. that people are like, wow, you have to play 16. You get by on word of mouth. And yeah. that at the end of the year, it ends up getting a bunch of awards. And then people go, this is literally the best Final Fantasy in years. I'm just interested to say, if it was like by a regular Final Fantasy team, I'd say, sure, whatever, good luck. But, Given that it's by like Soken and Yoshi P yeah, and Koji yeah. Fox, that's a big deal. That's Final Fantasy fourteen is still very inaccessible for yeah. a lot of people, but we never shut up about it for a reason. And sixteen is just, as you say, the opportunity for regular schmoes to say, "Hey, what's this Final Fantasy all about?" And hey, what's this? This is the team that gave us fourteen. What can they give us as a single player? I'm not trying to dunk on sixteen. To be clear, I'm just saying the takeaway is that Diablo four is going to be bigger even than I thought. To Nadia's point. If Final Fantasy was a game of blackjack, uh, Square Enix put a lot of chips down on 14. They they doubled down and they got a lot of chips back. And now they're taking all that goodwill and putting it on the 16 and being like, come on. Yeah, <laughs> put it all on black. Let it ride. Square Enix doubled down on Final Fantasy 16 and Blizzard just went, we're just embracing we're, the double down. We're just going to make, yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> the double down. My <laughs> <laughs> uh, heart hurts. <laughs> all right. Nadia, what have you been playing? Well, you guys all had all this, like, you know, Millhouse with the horsey, nay, nay. That's how I feel right now, because you guys are all like, oh, I played this, and I saw this. I've just been playing Octopath and just loving it. Nothing yeah. wrong with Hell that. Hell yeah. Oop. Hell yeah. Because I'm like, Oop. Have you played it yet, Kat? I started it. You don't get a fist bump for starting it. I'm taking that back. <laughs> you know what? Actually, when I was flying over to Boston, I pulled out my old Switch, and I played a little Fire Emblem Engage. I finally got through a, quite a tough level. Mm-hmm. Um. But when I, I pl- started playing theater rhythm. Oh, theater rhythm is so good. And I'll just very briefly say it took a minute to get used to the buttons thing. And yeah. actually, I'm struggling a lot with the field. I don't understand. Like, oh, I keep failing on the field because yeah. I'm used to doing it with the stylus. And now I'm it's like, just, you know, what? it's push. Don't feel like you're obligated to push at a certain, like, you know, pressure. Just push up as far as you can go push down. Like, I don't know. I really got the feel of the, the waves. Uh, so. Crank that wheel. <laughs> Spin it. I They just released The World Ends With You yes. music yeah. from it. So I was like, heck yeah. I was your, playing that. Your music's coming to it too, right? Yeah. Trigger, what a collection. Oh my gosh. It's only I, cost I, you like $100 I paid for it all. I'm such a schmuck. I don't care. It's actually a really good exercise song if you're like cycling. It's, I, that's what I cycle along to. Sweat my ass off after a while. <laughs> There's a cute little opening. Um to I think the main Final Fantasy theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, seeing all the mascots and characters yeah. and everything and the characters from over the years flying together, I'm like, this is the Final Fantasy I want. It's very like, cute. The, kind of the cute looking one, a lot of character, a lot of personality. And then I was kind of sitting in the hotel lobby here at the at the West End and looking at a Final Fantasy 16 trailer playing on loop. And I was like, ooh, grim dark, maybe the dark fantasy, maybe a little less so. I kind of want the, the cutesier, but I understand why they went in that direction. But mm. Anyway, that was my takeaway. So you're playing Octopath. Yeah, it's pretty much like 
like right now it's my game of the year it's freaking crazy how, how good this game yeah, is yeah, i'm like yeah, in the yeah, midst yeah, yeah, of all yeah. the stories like i just did cassie's second chapter oh, Sorry, cassie. cassie's the best and i just love the fact there's so many random stupid things you can do like partitio's uh, the commerce um mm. quests where mm. it's like hey you want a ship you want to buy a boat you want to buy a boat <laughs> okay it costs a hell of a lot of money well i'm going to work towards that because there's so many ways to make money in this game mm. with partitio he has so many talents and stuff so i did that and then you have like this really funny quest where or cute where you find musicians for this guy who's like, I have this thing that chord music. What can I do with it? Oh, that was such a fun, interesting little quest. Yeah, and it was. A, and what happens is you add a sound test to your the game when you do that, and you can play these games on. Uh, sorry, these sounds on like a gramophone in the pub, and now you can collect songs. And you have like uh, I can't remember what the last one was, but oh right, it was some sort of librarian thing with the merchant with the what is my most valuable thing. That was yeah. great because you. He's like, what's my most valuable treasure? Oh, obviously his daughter. You're bringing his daughter to him. He's like, no, no, no that's no, not it. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. And so, yeah, it's just has so many, like, I don't know. The storytelling is so good. Like I want to rush to Thorne's last chapter, but I'm just kind of like holding back. Oh, Thorne. Yeah. Thorne's last chapter is a trip and a half. Let me tell you. So I have rolled credits on Octopath Traveler 2. You rolled credits on Octopath? Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to roll credits Have on you rolled credits on Xenoblade yet? I did it once, I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, you can read my review of Destructoid, but I, I just, I love that game. I sincerely love that game. It is really cool, really unique. The ending of that game, by the way, is absolutely bonkers. Like, really? The, all the post-game stuff, after you finish all the paths... I was like, how are they going to tie this together? Is this just going to be like, oh, we all team up to fight the evil? And like, kind of yes. But the way in which they get there is jaw on the floor. Amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm looking just forward to that. Top 10 anime betrayals kind of shit. Like, real good. I love Ochet, like the uh, little monster girl. Like, oh, she's Ochette's adorable. So Ochet can get busted. By she is way. busted beyond belief. She, here's, here's an example of what the game does. Okay, so... I got the ship. You can get the ship as early as you want, uh, as long uh, as you get the, the gill. Uh, sorry, the leaves. And then I went to an island where there's these crazy-ass enemies. I had no business fighting, mm-hmm. but I saw this huge one. I said, I'm going to take this asshole captured down. captured it. Yeah. I captured it. It's like Ancient Rat King 6. Yes. He's he, so good. He's busted. He comes out with like a, a spear attack that hits everything and, and buffs you at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely mm-hmm. And I, I I found this reward. I found it because I went out of my way to look for this island and say, hey, I'm going to try this. I have no business trying it, but I can do it if I know how to break an enemy. And there are so many ways to break enemies. It's really, really just so many, so many interesting paths. I mean, it lives up to its name. And actually, I really like the character interactions this time around. Like, they did a much yeah. better job. Like the, uh, you probably saw the one I posted on Twitter where um, Cassie talking about how she has amnesia and partition. Like, oh yes. boy, howdy! Yes. I don't know what that would be oh like. Oh my god! And she's like, well, you know, last night you and I, like, you down three glasses of wine, and you were doing this, this, and this, and like, oh, Mr. Wild's down, and that was enough for you. You did this, this, and this, and Partition's like, god darn, I don't remember any of that. I'm dying to know how that happened. Well, now I know what it's like to have amnesia. <laughs> and she's like this little sweet nursed character who you think is so innocent. It's like, oh shit! It was so good. Cassie's just like, well, you don't remember that after three glasses of wine you and i went for a little romp in the hay and he's like oh darn it i did that (laughs) and she's like no but that's what it's like to have amnesia and it's such like a good it's what tales does so well is they take these characters and even though they're not animating them it's just portraits or whatever they put so much character into the writing that Mm -hmm. it just comes Mm -hmm. across you really believe that these characters are getting to know each other are growing together and it it really brings it together in a way that i think 
there are so many like big things and tiny little things that they do to recognize your journey in this game, especially at the end that I, I almost got a little emotional at the wow. end. It's, it was really something. Uh, so I, can you give me some tips as somebody who is just starting out in the Octopath? Because it's, it feels almost a little overwhelming in mm. some ways. I mean, first of all, you have to pick the initial characters. Like, right. Who do I want to pick? Who'd you mm. pick? Uh, uh, the, 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 the druid, or not the druid. Um, <laughs> Sorry, the the monster, the ranger. Oh, Ochet. Ochet. Yeah. Ochet. Yeah, she's, she's great. Yes, I got the the owl. Oh, yeah. perfect, perfect. And I'm like Maybe starting and such. So uh-huh. yeah, I think Ochet is a good character to start with, and here's why: because when you kill animals, that sounds terrible. When you t- when you kill when you capture the animals. Well, when you kill them, there's a 25 percent chance you will capture one, yeah. and you can say to yourself, "Oh, should I capture this?" Could you get like information about what they're good at? Say like a monster hits twice for sword damage, for example. That's something you would want, That's even really if it's <laughs> even if it's not powerful, it's good for breaking an enemy. So there's really not a lot of wrong choices you can make in this game. Like it's mm. you play it by ear and you come out pretty good no matter what happens. And you have fun because you were like pushed to explore more, like I did with the island. I said, what can I find here? Oh crap, now I'm the king of the world. Uh yeah, I'd say that's a big one. And also just the the rule for Octopath I found is do chapter ones all around i like to recruit the whole party and then kind of do chapter twos and once you open up chapter two this game gets a little bit trickier with how it routes stuff out and and pieces together levels because like ochet's like chapter two is three different chapters and they're all varying levels so you don't want to go and do her chapter twos right away but you can go do other people's chapter twos and kind of like move party members in and out. I think they encourage you to move those party so, members in and out too with the latent powers, which yeah. is really smart. You mentioned Ochet's a good starting point. Yes. Is there any characters I should be getting into my party like soon, like relatively quickly? The, the trick is, fun fact, they did this in the first game too, is that all the characters' names spell Octopath. Oh, for Christ's with, sake, with I didn't even notice. Letter. Yeah, and the way they have structured this game is that there's like four characters on the West continent, three on the East and then Ochet down at the bottom in the South. Uh, and if you go all four on the East or all four on the West, you'll basically cover most of the weaknesses and also have like a support character, a magic character, a physical mm-hmm. character. Uh, so I would say like definitely head to the East and pick up Throne, Temenos, Oswald. And those are all like really good starting characters to yeah. get to like pair with Ochet. But you could also just go to the West and be like, I want to get Partitio, Agnia. Uh, I do think Oswald is like very important to get. Especially lucky rabbit. On. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's not very lucky. Um, I, I also just don't think you can go wrong. This game's like very forgiving in some ways, especially if you have Ochet in your party so she can basically hit every weakness in the game. Uh, it's a really forgiving game in terms mm. of just like letting you do what you want to do. I heard it gets kind of serious toward the end though. Oh yeah, but then you just power level. That's okay, fine. Uh, that that's all good. And you can get the ship whenever you want, as long as you have a what was it, like hundred thousand leaves. Or once something you like get Partitio, you have a hundred thousand leaves. I think the game intends for you to get it near the end, but I bought it at like 10 same. Yeah. Okay, because I got out into the sea and I was like level thirty seven. Like this is recommended for level thirty five <laughs> and above. It's yeah, like, no, hey, I'm like I'm level twelve. Let's go. Level sixteen party <laughs> members setting out for their first expedition. <laughs> usual i don't have a lot of time to actually play video games but i will keep this one in my my back pocket it's a very good game for bite size like i find the dungeons and stuff are all just so snappy you're in you're out 
uh, you use clever illusions with the terrain to like make yes. you hunt for uh, treasure chests and whatnot. But you don't have to if you don't want uh, to. You can torches. Just... Torches always light the critical path in the dungeons. Oh, so good to know. they literally tell you like, "Hey, go this way if you want other stuff, or go this way if you want to go in the critical path." Okay, that's what we've been playing, and now it's time for a series of random encounters. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Microsoft's takeover of Activision Blizzard will not result in substantial lessening of competition, according to the CMA, which makes it, uh, well, it seems to pave the way a lot. It takes a big barrier down uh, from Microsoft's uh, acquisition. Honkai Star Rail is out April 26 on PC and mobile with the PlayStation uh, release to come later. Uh, how does that Genshin Impact play through going, Eric? Oh, I'm done, but uh, I might check out Honkai just because I've heard it's an RPG and I'm kind of curious. So we'll see. I'll pick it up for a week and then drop it just like I did with Genshin. <laughs> uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin is getting a game that's very similar to God of War. Are you familiar with the concept of Last Ronin? No. Is it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Is that what I just heard? Last Ronin is the final, the end of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the idea is that all of the other brothers are dead. And so is Splinter. And Michelangelo's the only oh, one Oh, that left. one. Okay. There was actually a subplot like that in one of the, in the Nickelodeon um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where he was stuck in Dimension X and he had to kind of become a survivor while he's, everyone else. He's become a, a true ninja. He's like very grim dark. I remember it now. I'm trying to remember where I saw it. Was there an animated version of that? Uh, no, I think it was just a comic. It might have been the comic I read then. Yeah, yeah okay. Was that was always the, the final chapter, which I have to say is a very grim final chapter kind for the is. boys. Especially Michelangelo, all the ones, you destroy his joy, why don't you? Like every. Well, that's what makes him a good canon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's kind of mean, though. He's the best one. Um, Elden Ring 1.09 is out. In addition to balance changes, it's adding ray tracing. Fire Emblem Engage is getting its final wave of DLC on April 4th. And this one is a side story set in an alternate world where various characters are kind of the opposite. So you're playing cool. with like the villains, you're fighting against people that are normally your allies. It adds two new classes in the Enchanters and the Merge Cannons. I'm kind of interested in playing it, except that I really want to play other games at a certain point. So I I'm want just to play it Engage. just because I feel like Engage, like, I don't know if this is what it's going to do, but Engage's uh, story, it's really a lot. It didn't really have a good villain. And the problem with that is it had characters who were actually really good you characters. You don't like Giant Snake Guy? 
Uh, his design is cool. I have to say he's one of the coolest the looking dragons. Are all right as, a, as villains. That's the thing. Like they're they're good characters over like I'm not talking about them. They're cool. But my problem is that they're all like, oh, we worship the fell dragon. Okay, why? He seems like an asshole. You all seem like pretty cool people. They talk about it a little bit. Not enough. Like well, one of them is just a psychopath. Yeah, but he has like twenty thousand kids and they're all dead. I don't know. Is it's Another really one, weird? They, they lay out the motivations. I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, get into spoiler territory. But okay, okay, tell me this much at least. Uh, there's a character, I won't say which one, who is the uh, a, a child of the yeah. fell dragon, and uh, yes. they ask their mother, or they, they say basically, my mom said you're a good person, or you you still like, you know, she loved you. That's what she said. She yeah. loved you. And the fell dragon's like, duh, 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 the fell dragon. So is there a reason why they explain why these people follow the fell dragon, why they worship him, and yes. they're good people at the same time. They explain why would they... they uh, this is like the whole plot, Nadia. Nadia, you're asking for the plot of the video. You're asking for the <laughs> but plot. But I've played like, very far into the game, and I haven't really found any answers. I just wondering How far whatever. are you? Uh, I was like close to the end. I, I am at the battle with like uh, Lord Sombron. Is that his name? Okay. Or am I thinking, um, I'm I like know. on chapter 22, and they, they lay it all out. You're coming into a good chapter. Yeah. Um, if it's one, it's like chapter 24. Father and knows the answer to this question. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that the villain's motivations could have been explained better. And Fair maybe maybe enough. we'll get that. If we get that with the well, DLC, I'm good. The, the fell dragon's motivation is, I just want everybody to die. But yeah. then why would people Every love him at all? Like, I understand there is, of course, Stockholm Syndrome and, don't, and, and all that stuff, but... Something just seems weird about it. I feel like there's a missing... It doesn't have to be something big. You see, Master Wayne, some people just want to watch the world burn. (laughs) I just want a little bit of connective tissue, that's all. I will tell you after the show, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for people who might actually care about Fire Emblem Engage's story. That's a good story. I like the story. I like the characters. We'll get Michael Caine in here to explain the plot to you. Morbius is out in... Marvel's Midnight Sun. Morb. It's morbid time. Midnight. Let's morbid go. Time. Let's put it back in theaters and bomb again. THQ Nordic is teasing a re-release of Gothic for Nintendo Switch. And finally, today is the day uh, so the release of this podcast. The Wii U and 3DS eShop is closing. <laughs> Rest in peace. I so, can't do taps because my I ruined my voice at karaoke yesterday. <laughs> I hope you listened to last week's episode where we told you which ones to get. And uh, by the way, yes, a lot of people were mentioning Bravely Default, the original Bravely Default. I really screwed up. I really sorry. I thought for some reason that was on the on the DS, not the 3DS. It's a 3DS. I okay. Don't, I don't like the game. Well, you just suck. I, I, don't, I, don't I just, enjoy that game. It deserved a mention for sure. So I'm sorry about that. Is What's it ironic of all about the grinding? For is it because the story for, is like Final Fantasy 3? It's for a lot of reasons. I just, I bounced heavy off that game. I did too, which is why I was surprised how much I liked Bravely Default 2. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, okay. Octopath 2. <laughs> Crimson Shroud. Buy Crimson Shroud on your 3DS. And now it's letter time. It's letter time, it's letter time. As always, we went into the Discord, our community, which you can join 
for just one dollar on patreon.com slash buggodpod and asked hey send us your questions we're gonna hang out we're gonna vibe we're gonna answer some questions so we'll start with criminal justice who's actually here we're gonna meet uh criminal justice at one of the at the meetup i think but they ask are golden routes good does a golden route make a game better or should you be forced to live with your choices knowing there is no optimal path. This is a tricky thing because I had an argument recently about whether a golden path and a true path are the same thing because I say they're uh, not. Um, they're two different things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think a golden path in the, in the context of like, oh, here's this thing where just this once, nobody has to die and all that. Um, I think it's fine i like it better when it's locked behind a new game plus so it feels like a reward kind of for the player for wanting to engage more with the game i don't know that i like it as uh, look i've said it before i like mass effect a lot i think one of the weirdest things about mass effect is the way people engage with it and that like they want perfect runs every time and so they do the same thing every single time whereas I, i think a lot of players then don't get to experience growth well and a lot of like the good writing that happens when you kill a character or something like i think i told you that when i was playing my i was playing my shepherd as a renegade to start he shot rex right i did not oh okay don't shoot Rex. but i was just kind of trying to role play a little bit i definitely let the rachni queen die oh yeah among other things and but then i changed kind of over in mass effect 2 and i rationalized it in my head as my character realizing that actually they didn't want to be a human supremacist etc 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 and that they grew as a character and that really enhanced my role playing experience as a result i, I think, you ahead no you got it slap 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 okay yeah. uh i think the game that did it best was undertale and yes, that's because yeah. you have your neutral route, which is probably the first one you're going to do. And there are actually a million ways to finish the neutral route in Undertale. Some of them are very good, like, hey, we're going to miss you, kid. You know, thanks for visiting. Some of them are really scary. Like, if you just, you can slaughter everyone and leave just, like, a couple of people alive and really get some dark endings. Like, you can get, you can get Sans to hunt you, which would be <laughs> really terrifying. Uh, but once you're done with the neutral route, um, then you, are, you have the incentive to do the pacifist route which, of course, is the true ending. It's the golden ending. Everyone's happy. Yay. But you do not get the full story of that game until you do the genocide route. So you have to do everything to put everything together so that you find out who is Flowey, why is he like this, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just a way to completely complete the game, especially with genocide route in uh, Undertale. That's where you get the super boss fights. And they're like, of course, legendary. So I, in, for my money, uh, Undertale does it best. And I would love to see more games kind of really intertwine their their narrative that way. So you don't feel like a complete dick for doing, you know, bad things. But you don't, you know, you kind of have an incentive to, uh, to, to find that last bit of story. Because you have, basically, you have to make bad choices to get the full story. And that's difficult. But I think it's pretty important. Mm-hmm. I think what Justice was kind of asking is, should there be a path in which everybody's happy it's all great or should there be multiple paths but all of them kind of have their drawbacks and i'm leaning toward the second one because as eric was kind of saying if you're doing one where it's the quote-unquote good ending and everybody's happy and everything well everybody's just going to play for that one for the most part and i i count myself among them it's like well of course who do i why would i want my characters to be sad they're my friends yeah no I actually think The Witcher 3 is a good example of this. Because mm. The Witcher 3, I don't remember what the like bad, bad ending is, quote-unquote. 
but there are two different endings you can have. And you jump ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear what your three spoilers for whatever reason. But uh, you can either have Siri leave and go take up the the royal throne of become the empress. Yeah, yeah, become the empress. Or you can keep Siri with you, and she becomes a witcher in training, basically. And I this might be a bold take. I think that's like The Last of Us Part 1 almost, but like a little bit more interesting because number one, you're not like hinging it on this weird dramatic device where like, well, it's Joel, you have to be selfish or unselfish and the world hangs in the balance. But like this one is just, are you as Geralt, how have you bonded with Siri? And I actually, in my game, she left and became Empress. And I know some people consider that like, Oh, her staying with you is good because Geralt and Siri are together now. And I no, I want Siri to be her own person. I mm-hmm. want Siri to go do things that Siri wants to do. And I I see the Witcher in training ending as kind of like, oh, we're just going back to the, the safety of what we've always known. And I I think it's compelling when you have decisions like that and you don't just have a well, did you get enough points on the the war board to not have everyone <laughs> die to the Reapers? It seemed like a horrible life to yeah. just spend it hunting monsters i understand that it was a level of freedom to it but everybody kept talking about how bad it was to be a witcher oh yeah yeah Geralt seemed miserable Geralt's like <laughs> the last witcher they're they spend the whole time talking about how witchers are like a dying breed and monster hunters aren't as needed as they used to be etc cetera, etc cetera. so like it feels really weird to then be like, hey, Siri, come join me in this terrible profession I'm in. It's a really bittersweet uh, finale as well. It's really it's really good, Yeah, I think. I love The um, Witcher. It's so good. If you haven't played it, go play it. Witcher 3 spoilers off. Okay. <laughs> JCX asks, which non-RPG series would you create an RPG entry for? And which developer would you want to make it? I would take another crack at a Mega Man X RPG, mm. and I would give it to Capcom because I think they had something good going with, uh, what was it called, Command Mission. Uh, I was looking at a, a Let's Play of it recently, and I realized this is basically Final Fantasy X's battle system with, you know, some cool robot elements. You're fighting Mega Man X characters and enemies and, and monsters that are very familiar. Uh, it had it was actually fun to walk around and talk to other reploids and you know all that stuff. It had the good basis there. It just didn't come together perfectly at the end. Um, the environments weren't great. Some of the boss fights were very good, and it just it needed some more polish. Maybe needed another year. I think they could probably have something really cool going on. Who would you want to make it? Oh, I said Capcom because they. I don't remember what sub team did it. it I th- sorry, it was the Breath of Fire uh, Five team actually, Dragon Quarter team. So yeah. By all means, I should get another crack at whatever. I think I would want I would want someone to make a Hunter Hunter RPG because I think Hunter Hunter would be a fantastic setting for an RPG. You've got all these characters that are very recognizable, very likable, have their own. If you're not familiar with Hunter Hunter, uh, everyone in that world exists on this spectrum of power, and so you can be in certain quadrants. So like. The main character is kind of in the power fighter where a lot of his moves are direct offense, but then another character is a specialist. So he's really good, but in very specific circumstances that he has to like set up and be prepared for. So I think that lends itself well to an RPG. Mm-hmm. Also just has amazing art, amazing characters. And I would normally, I would say Bandai Namco. I, I, I 
heard mixed things about One Piece Odyssey. So instead, I will say that I would want Ryu Gagotoku Studio oh, to sweet. make it. I would want that Yakuza, like a dragon team, making a Hunter Hunter because I don't just think they get combat right. I think they get the tone right. And that's very important because Hunter Hunter has a really key mix of the ridiculous and the serious that I think would be really, really crucial. So I was having a conversation recently about Metroid and oh. why it never seems to sell mm. very well. Mm. And one of the things that we were kind of talking about was how it was stuck between a, a game like Metroid Prime, for example, was stuck between the family friendly audience that Nintendo cultivates and the FPS audience and yeah. that kind of thing. And whereas the traditional Metroidvanias, for whatever reason, just don't seem to resonate a whole lot. I think Metroid Dread was maybe one of the most successful yeah. in the series to date. But by and large, Metroid doesn't tend to sell. And so we're like, okay, but how what how can you get it to a point where it might resonate and maybe a genre change mm. might be the trick? Um they said, well, Metroid Other M was an interesting step in the right direction, except for the part where it was really bad. Yeah, that was <laughs> the only problem. Classic blunder. Yeah. But maybe Metroid could be an RPG. Uh, I think the world is relatively compelling. I mm. think that obviously Samus would need to be. It would well have written. to be. Yeah, it would all come down to the writing because Samus is her isolation is a big part of who she is. But then, of course, an RPG isn't necessarily all that isolation. Okay. It can be, but. Okay, hear me out. Metroid by way of From Software. I would so, do that. I would play it in five seconds. So it's basically Sekiro yeah. with more RPG elements. You're controlling Samus. Um, the, story, the plot is there, but it's fairly minimum. Minimal, minimal. Or at least environmental storytelling, basically. And it's mostly vibes. Yeah. And it's a sci-fi setting, that yeah. kind of thing. A lot of exploration. And I think... That would retain the spirit of Metroid, but put it into a new context. It's funny you said that because when I was thinking of how do you do a Metroid RPG when Samus has to be like the main character, really potentially the only character, and my mind went to a FromSoft game, but to Kingsfield and like a first person Samus RPG that has like a lot of that. I mean... How different are Metroid Prime and Kingsfield at the end of the day? You know, when you think about it, uh, you just got to make numbers and, and there you go. So I would also accept a Street Fighter Tactics RPG. That'd be oh, fun. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Chun-Li spinning kick like in a, a, a rounder. Like a made by Intelligent Suns. Systems. Oh, yeah. I was going to say like a Midnight Suns type thing. Let Firaxis take a swing out of it. Or, well, yeah. Um, I think you would want to go more strategy than tactics, actually, because you'd want to build up the characters and choose which moves you want to use and everything. Like you build a dojo, and they can like train yeah. different stuff. So it's like the XCOM base building, but yeah. you like, put Ryu in his little locker room to train. Oh, so cute! I think also a turn-based, a traditional party-based command system Castlevania RPG would be a lot of fun. That, that would, would be, be fun. Be, I would like that. Yeah, with like the Castlevania Netflix party. Can I pitch you on something that's not an RPG, but I thought of yesterday and has been bugging me ever since. It's so good. Uh, I want the team that made TMNT Shredders and Streets of Rage mm. to make a Spider-Man multiverse beat-em-up. And that'd be fun. That'd I've be cool. been thinking about it ever since I was talking to a friend about it. Just you have Miles and you have Spider-Gwen, you have Spider-Noir, you have 
Mecha Spider and all that. It'd be so fun. Yeah. I'm not even that much of a Spider-Man fan, but yeah. I'd be into it. I'd play I don't that, think yeah. the RPG would work because I think they're all a little too similar of a character to do an sure. RPG. But... <laughs> web shot, web shot, web shot. Yeah, I think I think a beat em up in a very like classic arcade feel would work. Anyways, good RPG pitches. Teeps wants to know if you were going to make an RPG themed cocktail. What would the name be, and what would be in it? Wow, Teeps put this in here to judge us all on our ability to mix liquor. This is uh, great. I don't know how. I don't know the first thing about mixing liquor. So what I would do, I should take some rum, mix it with some vodka. Uh, I don't know, put in some orange juice and call it "Thou Art Dead." <laughs> That's the best I can do. I'm sorry. I don't drink that much. I drink when I drink. I take. I usually have like maybe a beer or. A, I love Moscow Mules uh, because they're really easy on my stomach. But otherwise, I don't drink. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm you need just... parish. This is a parish question. Yeah, a parish. We, we did seasonal drinks. A we long did, time yeah, ago. a long, long time ago. That was fun. And then uh, parish, I think, actually made them and photographed them yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I just do like I don't know a margarita, but you put like something kind of I don't know minty maybe mm-hmm, in it, nice. and and like color it blue with like curacao or something, and call it like the Shiva. But like that's there are probably people at home who are mixologists who are going like, oh my god! <laughs> look, I'm a, look, this is the Shiva. All right, you take one part blue powerade and one part vodka, <laughs> and then she snaps and you turn gay. Yeah, uh, I mean you can make a, a a variant on a dark and stormy or something, and mm. call it like the Bahamut. Was going, that's cool. So that's cool. call it Adol's boat. <laughs> dark <and> stormy. <laughs> I um I personally like a good old fashioned, especially okay. one that's very uh, cinnamony. Ooh, I suppose you could say, or like has maple in it. Um, maybe like a bourbon old fashioned with like maple. And uh, can can we think of a name like around that? Oh, around maple. I was gonna say around cinnamon. You could call it like a freak or something like that. Oh. Maple. maple, you think like well, the Canadian, but I don't know a lot of Canadian RPG characters. No, I was thinking like like sweet because that's that's what yeah. I think of when I hear maple. So I think who? Um, I think of like, fall. I think of autumn when I hear maple. Yeah. which is funny because it's, it's usually. Well, I'll tell you what, March. It's a uh, in in Canada. You, you can't get away from maple shit. It's all over the shelves. Sure, I, I name it after like who's the the witch in Tales from Brazaria? Um, Maggie Lou, Magilu. Um, like I call it like Maggie Lou's old fashioned or something like that. Right. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Like yeah. it is something you associate with, like a witch and yeah. and a forest. I was thinking tales of a rise for some reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's I guess, a very seasonal RPG in some ways. I don't think Rinwall's allowed to drink either. <laughs> Rinwall's too young. <laughs> Give it to Hoodle. Yeah, Hoodle's allowed to drink. Hoodle's power bomb. It's your old pal Victor from the editing bay. I'd like to offer up an option for the name for this old fashioned, the Rakuna Sheldon. Named after a character from Etrian Odyssey, literally from Ontario. Okay, keep having fun, you crazy kids. Uh, Ruka wants to know. Uh, apparently, they asked this. They asked an AI to generate a question for us. Oh dear. <laughs> Who is your favorite non-humanoid party member, and why? I.e., uh, Rapid, Red Thirteen, Siegfried, Morn, Urshan, etc. Um, for me. Uh, it's the dog from Persona 3. <laughs> yeah, um, Cor- Coromar- Coromaru? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love any, yeah, it's Coromaru. I love any game that has a pet. Yeah. As mm-hmm. a party member. The second 
that I can have a pet as a party member. They go into the party mm-hmm. and they do not come out. I think I'm going to vote for my FF14 Chocobo Jollibee because basically I got him up to level 20 and I gave him the uh, uh, Rubicante barding. So he looks badass. I turned him, I gave him red feathers as well. And he's a beast. Like he's actually like in FF14, you're fighting alone a lot of time, but you can summon your Chocobo to help mm-hmm. you so you can kick. Uh, he's a he's a basically a, a fully qualified attacker, defender, and healer. So yeah, he's a uh, as good as any party member. So I'm going with him because he kicks shit. Shoutouts to the Mavari Warhound from Dragon Age Origins. Oh, they're they're even, cool. Even yeah. if nobody else got me, I know my dog got me. So mm. uh, does the the robot from Fallout Four count? No, it's a robot. It's not. He's a synth. It's a non-humanoid party member. Oh, oh! If we, can, if we can count robots, I mean, Aegis from Persona 3 is pretty high up there. I like Aegis a lot. Um, I do like Nick Valentine from That's, Fallout That War. was it. Yeah, yeah, Nick Valentine. He's uh, great. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Um, HK-72 from Knights of the Old Republic? Yes, HK. Uh, HK-47, HK-47. Uh, you have to love HK... Uh, I judge Star Wars by how they do their droids. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And Bioware was the original, like, let's make a droid that just insults you all the time. And other other games have tried to do that, but have failed. Like, I think the, the <laughs> writing... Trap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't care for Borderlands particularly. No, no. Not my Sally Hammer, really. No, not... I don't... No. I think that's a good, that's a good description. Not yeah. my style of humor. Um, Milk wants to know, we have a single-use item to revive only one dead RPG series. Which series are we reviving? Oh. And my answer is Ultima. Ah. I think that it's a crime that Ultima was allowed to die. I think that, obviously, has a rich lineage. So much of what we know about RPGs today got their start with mm, Ultima, mm. I think that the 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 quest the avatar elements yes for sure can really work well in a modern context. I think I would really love to see an updated version of Ultima Four. Mm. Is basically what it kind of comes down to, and I think it would do really well in the modern era. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just sitting in a vault somewhere. At EA, like along with a lot of other wonderful series like Wing Commander yeah. and whatnot. So I would say if I could use one revive, it would be for Ultima. I'm going to take the easy way out and say Breath of Fire just because, sorry, it's, it's such a, it wasn't always, it's not always perfect battle wise, systems wise, but it's such a charming world with such charming characters. Capcom does really great character designs and they're so well suited for RPGs. Like, Cat people, dog people. It's so simple, but so compelling. So yeah, I just want to bring back... The, like, you were talking earlier about like, you know, more colorful RPGs. That's one of the most colorful RPG series in, in existence. Well, 5 wasn't, but yeah, I would bring it back. Yeah, Nadia took mine, so I'm just looking uh-huh. at a list right now. But honestly, I'm going to just go with my heart and say uh, I want another Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor. Uh, I know it hasn't been that long since we had Eric, Devil Survivor Shin Megami Tensei is still going. Yeah, yeah, but Devil Survivor. Devil Survivor is a series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You could put any other RPG. It could in still happen. Yeah, you could be like, hey, we'll make a new Chrono game or we'll make Devil Survivor 3. And I'll be like, sorry, Chrono fans. <laughs> <laughs> what about Final Fantasy Tactics? 
I mm, I would like a new Final Fantasy Tactics. The thing is, I think a lot of people are doing their own versions of Final Fantasy yeah. Tactics these yeah. days. Whereas I don't see anyone trying to do what Devil Survivor does. So that's maybe like the key difference for me. Uh, I would also like to see more stuff like Front Mission and all that. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you can wish for a thing to come back, but then it's a monkey paw situation, <laughs> yeah. as we yeah. learned with Valkyrie Elysium last yeah. year. But as soon as I saw that announcement, I was like, uh, and I tried, I tried to be positive. I did. I did. I would have said like Suikoden would have been this pick for me, mm. but then like Aiden is coming out. Yeah. So we're already kind of getting that. Yeah. And we're getting a really handsome HD remaster of it yeah. as well. Yeah. So somebody's out there already using their, their little potions. Pash wants to know, everybody loves to debate what it is or is not an RPG. Usually it has something to do with something should be in the Pantheon or not. What edge case, probably not an RPG, would, would you put into the Pantheon if you had to put one in? And Pash, I'm glad you asked that because <laughs> I'm going to announce right here and right now that the Pantheon vote for this month is for a Legend of Zelda game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah. Shit, Zelda's closer than I thought it was. Sure is. So oh, gracious me. Uh, is, our, is Zelda an RPG? Eh. Yeah. No. <laughs> but... Do I want to put? Do I want to play it for a month and then yeah. judge it based on its relationship to RPGs and its yes. connections to the RPG genre? Yes. And also just generally do a Zelda game? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. If yes. this is a Hall of Fame, I think Zelda de- deserves at least a passing mention, especially mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Though it's not a given that that's the one that we'll be playing. So please look forward to the vote this week. Which Legend of Zelda are we going to be playing throughout April? It's going to be murder. It's going to be great. Oh, and if y'all don't pick uh, A Link Between Worlds, we can't be friends anymore. Oh, interesting. Well, let's see. I think Link to the Past is a given. Yeah. Breath of the Wild is a given. Yeah. Uh, Well, what are the other two? Link Between Worlds. Majora's Mask? Yeah, I'd say Majora's Mask and one of the other 2D Zeldas, like, Between Worlds. Wind Waker? Awakening. Oh, Wind Waker. Oh, Wind Waker's, oh, oh, oh. Wind Waker's hard to get these days. I'd choose the Chaotic Path and say Spirit Tracks. <laughs> I love that stupid game Four so much. Swords Adventure. I liked that when I played it. Like I was so desperate for Zelda, though. So I would play anything at that point. Robo Riley wants to know, what about making this podcast brings you joy that you didn't expect when you started and or joined Nothing the show? Nothing and flip the table. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Well, screw this show. I think I never expected to have such a great community. Mm -hmm. Uh, The discord, the definitely the discord is what unexpectedly brought me a ton of joy. Uh, Just being able to, okay. When I was growing up, Mm -hmm. I hung out mostly in forums and Mm -hmm. IRC channels and that kind of thing. That was how I made a lot of my friends. I was a very lonely child. And so that became a very natural way of interacting for me. And so I find it incredibly rewarding to have our own community that I get to hang out in and talk with all the time. And I recognize all of them and some of them are going to be at this panel. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing that I think unexpectedly uh, brought me a lot of joy. I think unexpectedly for me, it was like, I've always been a writer and I've always had people reading my writing and saying, Hey, this is funny. This is good. Uh, I never expected anyone to want to hear me talk. Like, I never thought, like, people would want to tune in for my, like, whatever the hell it is I do. And that surprised me because I was always very um, introverted 
and, and shy, especially when I was like in my, you know, preteens and teens. So if you told me when I was that age, like, hey, you're going to be on a panel in front of a whole bunch of people and like speaking, I, I probably would have shit myself. I just wouldn't have, <laughs> I wouldn't have managed. But uh, when I started doing it, it was like, oh, okay, I guess maybe, maybe I'm okay at this. So that it, it was cool to discover even this late in my life that I still can do things that I had no idea I could do. You're better than okay, Nadia. You're like the heart and soul of this podcast. Aw, see, that's we also a segment after you. Yeah, <laughs> it's also intimidating when you think about it, though, because like when you have an audience, people listen to what you say, and that's a lot of power. That's a lot of privilege. You have power. You do, though. When you think about like how cults and stuff start, it's like, <laughs> let's say I got up there and said, I don't know, some stupid thing, like, oh, the Earth is actually shaped like a cube. Most people are going to go, you're an idiot, and you're going to walk away. You're always going to have that small faction of them like, yeah, you're right. The earth is a cube. <laughs> and that's how problems become problems. And so that's why you, when you have an audience and you speak to them and they listen, that's a lot of power. That's got to be responsible. <laughs> I, like, I like that this question, which is very wholesome, became a secret pit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's a good point. We could wield our power for evil. You're right. <laughs> I'm starting... Hello, everybody. We're starting a new segment on Actually the Blood God. We're calling it Cult of the Blood God. Finally. But I don't we want to be a cult. sell all of your belongings. and <laughs> That's the opposite of what I want. I don't want people. To, I don't want to control people. I just, you know, I, I think it's nice that they listen to me, but dear God, there's so but much damage you can do. New Patreon tier. Oh, good. Finally. <laughs> the devotees. Yeah, I'll just say I think this is provided alongside I, I echo both of what y'all have said and also it's it's given me like a really good forum to just have really interesting critical discussions about yeah. games and really mm. explore not just why I like RPGs, but what I like about RPGs, how that differs from other people and appreciating how many different ways you can come at this genre. We've had so many excellent people on the show we've had excellent even blood god folks like like vivi who have come on the show and been absolutely mm. incredible yeah so like, sure. shout out to vivi yeah. yeah like it's it's been really cool and, and really like just just really fun to see this show grow and i'll i'll just also say that every time somebody out in the wild uh is like oh that's the blood god i listen to that it just warms my heart a little mm. bit. Warms uh, my heart. i've learned a lot about rpgs in the 400 uh, actually, probably closer to 500 episodes we've done because I'm not counting the Patreon ones. Right. Uh, I've learned a lot about RPGs and the history of RPGs and all the important RPGs. And well, that was one of the reasons that I returned to the beginning with episode 400. And Felipe was an amazing guest. That was a fun. That was I felt like I was learning a ton just having him on the show. Exactly. So I think we've learned a lot about like when we started the show. I don't think you and I knew a whole lot about PC RPGs back in like mm. 70s, 80s. Like that was a that was a big thing for us to learn. So I keep learning every day, and that's really cool. Also, the the pits that the Stars of Destiny chat become. <laughs> and if you want to join, Patreon.com. Okay, thanks everybody for sending in questions. We'll do another one of these. Um, we're running out of time, so let's move on to the Pantheon of the Blood God revisit right after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. 
Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. now for the pantheon of the blood god revisit the segment in which we revisit a game that went into the pantheon or didn't and decide whether or not we made the right or wrong choice it's all in the lead up to a special that we're going to be doing relatively soon i think in april and this month this week's is final fantasy 10 you waited until we were in person to do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, well, Eric did this one on his own. I wasn't no, on this Nadia one. Nadia was there. I was there. Eric and Nadia just did this one on their own. And Final Fantasy X did go into the Pantheon. Unanimously, might I add. So, in hindsight, does it deserve its lofty status? Gosh darn right it does. That RPG is so good. It's 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 really very good. And I've replayed it multiple times. And every time I find new ways in which I appreciate how good that game is how well they bring Final Fantasy concepts forward while still creating something new. I think it is the best Final Fantasy we've had post PlayStation 1. I feel like that is very easy to say. Mm, better than 12? Yes. You're mm. out of here. Better than 10 too? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to have 10 in order to have 10 too. I think, I, okay, like thinking about it, I think 10 is better than 13, certainly. Sorry, 13 stands. Um, better than 15. I don't really count 14 because it's like its own yeah, thing. 11 and 14 are kind of weird to count. This yeah. is goodbye. Uh, 12. Uh, I'd rather play 10 than 12. I'll say that much. Yeah. I like 12 a lot. I think it's kind of underrated in a lot of ways. Is it historically significant? Yeah. I think, I think the battle system uh, really adds a lot to RPGs. Uh, I'll just say, I can't even remember that episode very well. I just remember saying, I, I, I will like repeat this. Seymour sounds like the Green Moon Knight when he talks. <laughs> it drives he me does. crazy. Oh, yeah, it's just, you know, I live on the moon. I mean, historical significance, this was the first time Final Fantasy had voiceover. That's true. This, this That's was true. PS2 FMV cutscenes. And, and like everyone remembers those cutscenes of Yuna dancing on the water. I, I just want Yuna to stop dancing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and all this. Like, like it was just such a big production that I think even today is still impressive. Like, it's still amazing to go look at what they made. And I think the incredible part is that they made a beautiful world that still looks great. Mm. And that's kind of a rarity for that era. Like, PS2 games don't always age super well. There was so. an interesting uh, controversy. Uh, ten, apparently, it's been 10 years since the original remaster for Vita and PS3, which subsequently come out on like PS4, people were pointing out that the way that they changed the art style yeah. made uh, the, the character portrait, the, the models look too soft or yes. the, something like that. It, yeah. it was a little weird. 
Yeah, they definitely look different than their PS2 versions. I noticed that when I played it again for the PS4, and that is what it is. That's you want to talk about how remasters uh, end up getting rid of really interesting moody lighting concepts that yeah. existed because of limitations. That's another episode entirely. But uh, I, I agree. I think it does hold up. The question to me is, what is the special something about Final Fantasy X? I mean, it would be really easy to just say the music because I think it has like a top five RPG soundtrack all the mm. time. Uh, I also just think it's the it's the story. It really is the story. I think that that Romeo and Juliet ass love story is the best version of that that Square has done. And I think it works really well. I think the world is absolutely incredibly designed. I think the, the Spira that they created is is so good that they made another game set in it and they did nothing after that nothing came afterwards eric did you know that spira is it's a spiral of death yeah it's, it's a spiral of death and i will lead it there <laughs> i why is titus the worst final fantasy protagonist oh, he, he sucks <laughs> but he's supposed to say this is the shinji akari argument this is like it's okay for people to be flawed and he bad doesn't have to be in better. the game I, look, could you argue that that game could just be Yuna and the Guardians and it would still work? Kind of, but also, like, I think it highlights some of the subtler points of Yuna's story in interesting ways. And I I still like Titus and Jekt overall, even yeah. if I do mm. think that's maybe, like, one of the flimsier. But like, like, it's the more overt one, but it's flimsy when held up to scrutiny, whereas Yuna's is not as overt, but is very good when like dig into it so it's very linear it kind of got rid of the intentionally so <laughs> it got rid of the overworld uh conceit which was disappointing but eric you didn't say the real reason the real special something of final fantasy 10 which is obviously blitzball, blitzball. Oh, which burr, is 3d burr, burr. water soccer they just put captain tsubasa yeah, in an rpg and you know what i didn't really know that i loved sports rpgs until i played final fantasy 10 and then just got completely lost in that game i played blissball once <laughs> when i had to and did i was you, like i'm did good did you jack shot and no I, I i actually think i forgot to pick up the jack shot and that was my problem oh, yeah the jack shot is so OP even and then but everyone just cheats and goes hides behind the uh, the net once they do the jack shot and wait for the game to end i just love the concept of titus learns a new like underwater soccer move by fighting the intrusive thoughts of his father's insults <laughs> like it's such a, like that game is so just it's goofy in a way that i feel like too many rpgs almost take themselves too seriously nowadays yeah. they all want to be like game of thrones and they want to be like real serious you mean like final fantasy 16 yeah yeah like look i think 16 looks good but i am also like i think this game takes itself too seriously like 10 does some wild shit you want to ride this shoe puff and all that like I just ride the shoe puff? yeah it's it's a wild like fun in like whimsical game like there's whimsy in, in rpgs that i think some games are trying to get past out like that there's an interesting point like so many people dislike blitzball or bounced off it because you probably had a really horrible experience the yes. first time you played yeah. it and I think that makes people just not want to engage with it at all, as opposed to having a good experience and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think the, this is what I'll say about Final Fantasy X. I think it was the last good 
the last truly great classical vision of what a Final Fantasy is. Yeah. And certainly I think the world building has a lot to do with it because Final Fantasy has a real problem with having a cohesive setting. Yeah, it really does. And it's gotten progressively worse. And I think from an art design standpoint, a lore standpoint and everything, um, Spirit was really interesting. And I enjoyed being in that world. It felt like Final Fantasy. Mm. And uh, I mean, I love the um, the, the Albed uh, conceit oh. where you're slowly learning the language and yeah, everything. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. It was cool. I also like that Final Fantasies used to feel big. Yes. And Final Fantasy X still felt, even though it was linear, still felt huge. Those, those skyboxes and stuff that they did are absolutely gorgeous. They're so wonderful and really like give you a sense of place even when you're in a small screen. The international ver- edition where they added the dark aeons um, oh, oh yeah <laughs> i think that was like the, that, that like solidified it in a lot of ways yeah. and, that, and that upgrade system the sphere system really shines in that international version where you have to like really engage with how the sphere grid works it's a really cool system i think it's a really i think cool yeah system. i think the sphere is pretty cool i think we could talk about this for quite a while I, I could almost feel like we could do another pantheon episode of final fantasy 10 but i I'll play it again <laughs> I think there's a lot of uh, conversations to still be had. Mm-hmm. Uh, go check out our Pantheon of the Blood God episode for Final Fantasy X. That's available through our Patreon. And please look forward to our Pantheon of the Blood God revisit. Nadia, take us home. Uh, do you remember uh, the? <laughs> this is actually came out very, very recently, but it's still tied in nostalgia. I swear to God. Uh, I think all of us learned what an Ocarina is through uh, Zelda games, basically yeah, Zelda yeah. Three, Ocarina of Time. So ever since uh, Ocarina of Time became a huge thing, there's been this company called Songbird Songbird Ocarinas, and they've always like uh, they've been around forever. You've probably seen their ads in like you know magazines even internet so they actually have a booth here at pax mm. and i'm like oh i've always kind of wanted an ocarina but i never really went out and bought one and here they are maybe it's fate so the woman who sold it to me was very nice she's like kind of like playing the, the songs like you know you put a song do 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 and you know zelda's lullaby do do and it, she's making it sound so soft and beautiful and gentle i'm like oh i could do that you know it'd be nice for me to take up an instrument that doesn't sound like because i used to play the clarinet i wouldn't mind getting back to it but i had neighbors so I bought it, <laughs> take it back to my hotel room. I've blown into it once. It sounds like a, a dying cat mating with seven other cats. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jesus, what have I done? And <laughs> I still... other cats? Not Nadia's next door hotel neighbors, like hearing all these screeches suddenly erupt in the middle of the night. <laughs> so... <laughs> so I'm like, oh, God. Now my apartment has concrete walls, but I don't know if that's going to be good enough. I'm still going to give it a try. I've never seen my neighbor. This is really weird. Like, I know most of the people on my floor, but my neighbor is like a shadow. They come in and out. They flit in and out. And I'm just like, I don't want to piss them off wherever they are. If they don't talk, if I don't see them, it means they're probably easy to piss off. So, yeah, I'm still going to give it a good try. And if I fail, well, you know, it still looks really nice. I'll put it on my special shelf. My Graha figure is there. The always sunny text with Nadia buys an aqua. <laughs> 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 That's how they always get you. You're like, whoa, wow. Well, it'd be fun to play the ocarina. And then it ends up sitting on your shelf. Like my ocarina is sat on my shelf for X number of years. I want to learn an instrument. Maybe I'll learn how to sing. I don't know. I still like to just like musical. I'll, I'll get around to it someday. I can play the recorder. 
no one could play the recorder. I actually just saw the Bluey episode where uh, Bluey's playing a recorder while her mom's trying to like get a bunch of stuff done. And it's just like topping off this terrible scene where her kids are nagging her and the ocarina, sorry, the ocarina, the, the recorder's going like, do you remember that South Park episode where everyone had a recorder and they, and they played the brown note? That was a good episode. Oh, I think you'll say they all played hot cross buns because that's the one that everybody learns how to play on a recorder. Recorders are like one of the biggest riffs you'll ever have in an elementary school. They really are. They you to buy one of those things and carry it around with you for some reason. Oh, and in the little baggie and everything. Yeah. Yeah. We just shared them. We cleaned, we disinfected them, but we still, we just shared them. Speaking of singing, we all did karaoke last night. It was a packed house. Had a great time. Uh, Ken and Eric singing in the end. In the Very end. strong. Ken, Ken always, matter. look, it's the Normandy FM brand. We apparently just do Linkin Park songs and Ken sings and I rap and that's how it goes. Did you know that the Linkin Park folks are huge Gundam fans? Really? Yes. That, that is sense. so funny. One they, of their videos was like super mech heavy. Oh, cool. They did a Gundam versus... Uh, theme song like they actually sang us they did a song for one of the gundam verses you know the uh red hot chili peppers are big fans of death note really yeah that makes sense which is why the movie has uh, danny california as a theme song we sang californication we Uh, sang so many california songs we we got confused friend of the show alex van aiken cannot remember which california song he wanted to sing and we had like three different california songs (laughs) do we sing hotel california californication Yeah, uh, California Dreamin'. But, California Dreamin'. And James so Dreamin'. I walk up to him at, like, the end of the night, and I'm like, he's just laughing, and I'm like, what? He's like, I remembered the song. <laughs> it was California, rest in peace. Oh, California, like, that's, um, Danny California, like, damn it. If you came and talked to me, I would have told you I could have told you that. Danny California. That's a great song, it's one of my favorites by them. That karaoke plays, by the way, I'm just gonna put them on blast here. Uh, I tried to put in Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card, and they did not have Ocean Avenue. They had Avenue. a lot, they don't have a lot of songs that were, like, very kind of missing a lot of they songs. They had a lot there. of Blink, but they didn't have Feel in This, which is the yeah. one I wanted. That's, you know, like... I like the other ones too, but no one's going to sing Adam's song at karaoke where you just want to be depressed. I looked for um, Famous Last Words. They had it last year. They didn't have it this year. I don't know what happened. Yeah. They did have Life Will Change, though. They did have Life Will Change. And we did sing it. That's a hard song to sing. That was way too high for me. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of songs last night that I did not realize were so high. Natasha Bedingfield, looking at you. Yeah. Nadia and I also sang uh, "To the Moon and Back." To the Moon and Back, yeah, and Uh uh, Savage Garden. Oh yeah, the the. Want you, want me, whatever the Savage Garden one, the that, JoJo one. Yeah. It was it was really funny because there were multiple people in the room who had not heard that song, but by like the second chorus, they were really into it. it it's was, a great it song. It was very fun. Ooh, I want you, I that was a lot of fun. The best karaoke is like when the performance and the song are so strong that even though nobody knows them, you just want to sing along. Yeah. No, I always try to choose those kinds of songs karaoke. I think I choose some good ones. I enjoyed singing Down. Baby, are you down, 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 And that's the end of this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Kat Bailey, and it was delightful to sit in this uh, hotel room. Um, it's a nice room. Yeah, talking, um, Eric and Nadia on the bed. It feels like we were just chilling out and vibing. I hope you had that feeling too. We're heading to our, our panel 
very soon. Yeah, so like right, right now. Yeah, we probably get going. <laughs> yeah, we got to get going. Uh, we're gonna record that one or try to record that one. I, I think Eric has a backup plan for that, and we are going to post that one um, soon. Um, but in the meantime, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore capot. Not is at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at Seamusi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. If you want to support the podcast, Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where you can get an ad-free version of this podcast for just $1 a month and also join the Discord. We also have a merch store, shop.bloodgodpod.com. I managed to change the URL, so it's a lot easier to do. Yay. So that's shop.bloodgodpod.com, where we have shirts, mugs, and other cool stuff and i'll be updating the shop periodically we'll be back next week as always to talk more about the genre that we love but until then for nadia eric and myself thanks for listening and happy adventuring